Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 139. In this episode, telling tales, making sales. This podcast is sponsored by WillowHire.com, the UK's leader in dust suppression equipment. Kick the dust into touch with our new, bigger and better all-in-one dust suppression units for hire. Call Willow on 01582 840045. I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I listen to a lot of audio podcasts in the evening. And I do this for two main reasons. The first reason is that my wife has apparently had the TV remote grafted to her hand to ensure that I don't have the opportunity to watch football. The second reason is that I'm a diabetic. Now I've just heard that out loud and I can see why that might confuse some of you. So let me explain. You see, several years ago, TV executives discovered that UK audiences would happily watch hour upon hour of cookery programmes. The advent of cooking TV has given us Jamie Oliver, Tom Kerridge, Nigella Lawson, Nigel Slater, Hugh Fernley What's-His-Face and a whole host of others. It's taught us to boil an egg. It's taught us that beef apparently tastes better if you know the middle name of the farmer who helped raise the cow and if said cow has played soothing music on the way to the abattoir. It's taught us that so long as you describe it as rustic, you can serve up something that looks like roadkill, and punters will just lap it up. However, there is a downside. You see, food and cookery programmes are to us diabetics what hardcore pornography is to monks that have taken a vow of celibacy. And so, to avoid the temptation of having my blood sugar levels going off the charts, I try to avoid MasterChef, the Great British Bake Off, the Great British Menu, and just about anything else that might expose me to the forbidden pleasures of carbs. Where was I? Oh yeah, YouTube videos and podcasts. So I was watching a video a few nights ago in which a guy in his early 20s was explaining how he'd made his fortune on Instagram. Much of what he had to say I found infuriating. For one thing, he was far too young and far too good looking. Although these things can be faked all too easily, it did appear that he actually had all the trappings of Instagram fame and fortune including the supermodel girlfriend. And he talked constantly about the fact that he'd been an online creator for almost six years, as if this somehow entitled him to a long service medal. But what really got my goat was a phrase that he used several times during his 10-minute video. According to this upstart with precious little business experience and even less life experience, in the YouTube age, any business that is unable to tell stories is doomed to failure. He then went on to talk about online branding, the importance of online video as a sales and marketing tool, and how engagement on platforms such as Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube was the key to success in the modern business world. But time and again, he reiterated the need to tell a consistent and engaging story. Now, bearing in mind that I basically tell stories for a living, I was sorely tempted to leave him a shitty comment on his YouTube video, telling him what a jumped-up, self-righteous, millennial arsehat I thought he was. Thankfully, I stopped long enough to see out the corner of my eye as an unnamed TV chef unveiled a goat's cheese and aardvark souffle served with a roast hamster jus. And then I took the time to think about it some more. Much to my own personal annoyance, I quickly realised that this annoying, self-aggrandising twerp had a point. Businesses do need to perfect the art of storytelling. And that applies equally whether you're an online creator with 11 months experience and a girlfriend seemingly picked solely to enhance your Instagram photos, or a demolition company that's been in business for decades and that operates in a real world of mud and rubble. 
Demolition News Radio, the independent voice of the global demolition industry. Once upon a time, some years ago, I handled the media relations for the hydraulic hose replacement franchise, Persec. I wrote the company's press releases. I wrote the company's magazine. I wrote the web copy for two or maybe even three iterations of their website. Anyway, after a period of particularly notable expansion and innovation, it was decided that Pertec would host a press conference, inviting a number of trade and technical journalists along to the company's headquarters in West London. During that press conference, there were several presentations from senior members of the Pertec UK team. They talked about the number of host centres the company operated and the national coverage this afforded. They spoke about the extent of the product range on offer at these centres and the latest additions to that range. They shared the number of service engineers on hand to minimise customer downtime due to hydraulic hose failure. There was a Q&A session at the end of the conference at which each of these points was discussed and reinforced. The journalists all made copious amounts of notes using the notepads and pens we provided. Trust me, journalists almost never have these two key tools of their trade. To ensure that they all went away armed with the factors Pertec wanted to present them, each of the journalists in attendance was also given a press pack containing several press releases each reinforcing once again the points made in the press conference itself. Shortly after the event, the coverage started to appear in the various publications that had been in attendance, starting with the weekly magazines, moving on to the monthlies, and then ultimately to the bi-monthlies and the quarterlies. Despite everything we'd put in place, the disparity between the various sets of coverage was mind-boggling. The names of the directors and presenters varied from one publication to another. Some were misspelled, Some were just plain wrong. Several got the number of host centres wrong, even though it was there in black and white in the press release. Some got the turnover figures wrong. Others got the size of the product range wrong too. But there was one fact that everyone, and I mean everyone, got right. In the run-up to the press conference, one of the Pertec boffins had calculated that the 400-plus service vans it had on the road in the UK at the time would clock up a combined mileage of more than a million miles on customer service calls in a 12-month period. The journalists that had gathered in Acton had met the directors, but got their names wrong in print. They had a press release that explained the turnover, size of the product range, and the number of host centres spread across the country, but they got that wrong in print too. And yet, as if by some strange and unspoken conspiracy, they had all agreed among themselves that they would get this one fact absolutely right. One million miles in customer service calls was repeated time and time again. Years later, I still see that figure in print. To the best of my knowledge, no one has yet got that figure wrong. It's a figure and a fact that has stuck because it is both extraordinary and memorable, and because it told a story. If you're a demolition equipment owner, operator or enthusiast, then there's only one place to be in July next year. The 4th Demo Expo will take place at the Hertfordshire Showground from the 4th till the 6th of July and it promises to be the biggest Demo Expo yet. So put those dates in your diary and join us at the Hertfordshire Showground for Demo Expo 2019. It's going to be epic. Assuming you've stuck with me for this long, you're probably now wondering what all this has to do with demolition. You're probably also wondering if you have to become Charles Dickens, Stephen King or J.K. Rowling to ensure the survival of your business in the YouTube age. So let's start with the easy part. Does all this have anything to do with demolition? The answer is a simple and unequivocal yes. Do you have to become a part-time author, a spinner of yarns, a teller of tales? 
No, because chances are you probably do it already without even thinking about it. Take demolition training, for example. Trainers are constantly referring to real-life situations in which accidents have happened or in which they've been narrowly averted. What's that if it's not storytelling? Think about when you're explaining to a demolition team how a new contract will function. You'll likely refer back to previous sites and previous contracts, sharing stories of what worked and what didn't. Think about when you're trying to convince a would-be client to choose your demolition company over a competitor. You'll refer back to past accomplishments to demonstrate your experience and expertise. You'll refer back to past clients and share stories of the successes you enjoyed with them. You'll tell stories of the team you have in place, of their combined experience, qualifications and accomplishments. You see, without even knowing it, you're already in the storytelling business almost as much as I am. Perhaps the only difference is that my words are a bit more flowery and pretentious, and that your words can be backed up by action and experience. To subscribe to The Demolition Magazine, just head over to demolitionnewsstore.com. If you want to brush up on your storytelling skills, I wouldn't recommend that you try to emulate Stephen King or J.K. Rowling or any famous authors. I wouldn't recommend following the lead of a famous journalist either. No. If you're to take the leaf out of a storytelling book of anyone, pick yourself a decent politician. And I use the term decent very loosely. Although it's endlessly frustrating to interviewers and the voting public, politicians are masters at the art of presenting their story in the way they want you to hear it. Regardless of the question they're being asked, they will repeat their story time and time and time again. They are unwavering. And don't for one moment think that this is a new trait of the modern politician, something cooked up to create sound bites for the 24-hour rolling news channels of today. Someone once said, If you have an important point to make, don't try to be subtle or clever. Use a pile driver. Hit the point once, then come back and hit it again. Then hit it a third time, a tremendous whack. That someone was Winston Churchill. And I think we can all agree, he was quite good at making phrases and facts memorable. So if you're in the business of demolition training and you have a point to make, make sure that it's repeated daily, that it's included in training presentations and documentation, that it's repeated in every toolbox talk. If you're explaining how a demolition process is to be carried out, explain it once, twice, three times. Demonstrate it to those involved. Show them a video if you can. If you're trying to win work or to convince a client to choose you over an equally qualified rival, Pick one or two memorable facts that set you aside from the competition and repeat them. If you have a million man-hours with no reportable accidents, say it and then say it again. Then prove it with documentation. If your environmental track record sets you aside, mention it. Mention it again. Show the client the paperwork, the plaudits and the trophies you have to prove it. If you have a unique approach or some unique technology, say it, repeat it. Reinforce it in the client's mind. So does storytelling have a place in the modern demolition business? I believe it does. Can storytelling help you make lasting impressions with your workers, your subcontractors or your clients? I believe it can. And if at the end of this podcast you can still remember the number of miles the 400 Pertex service vans clock up annually on customer service calls, then you know I'm right. You'll also know that they all lived happily ever after. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support this show, Demolition News or The Demolition Magazine, please consider becoming a patron. Just head over to patreon.com 
forward slash demolition news to find out more.